Yes, that's us. Hello. Hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> Live and direct. How are you? I'm good. I was a little bit tired after work, but uh, had a mate and a coffee and now I'm here. Uh, fired now. Okay, cool. <laughs> good, thanks. <laughs> and Mike, how are you doing? I'm also a little bit tired after work and I didn't have mate, but... <laughs> no, all good. all good. You were uh, you're um, with uh, Uli again this week, right? Yeah. With Vril, um, how is that going? Uh, pretty good so far. We are quite productive and trying to transform our album into a live show now. Ah, uh, that's what uh -huh. you're doing. Because I was wondering because you you just released um, the album you did. Uh, isn't yeah, it, it's not it's not, not released yet. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, anyway, I listened to it, so I, I got it anyways. When is it when is it um, planned for release then? 20th of October. Oh, that's pretty soon. So okay. like, mm -hmm. I would say everybody have their eyes out for that because it's a, it's an amazing trip. It's a really, really nice album. <laughs> really you. nice sound design and, and um, yeah, I really enjoyed it, man. Yeah, I was wondering how it translates on your system. Good. Because I have the same the same sound system here, but you have more sub, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. It sounds it sounds very warm, and I mean, uh, yeah, all, all the stuff you do sounds good, you know. So it's it's yeah. just a matter of, um, I guess, the the tiny details that um, yeah. would make you know that would sound different on a different system, but um, yeah. it translates really well. Absolutely, yeah. Curious so, uh, now. <laughs> I, well, I, can, wink, I, can wink, Mike. <laughs> I can send it later to you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah I'm looking forward to hearing it. And and now the the plan is to um uh to take that to the to the stage then. Yeah, I mean yeah. I mean we start in a small format now, doing like a small jam, you know. And maybe on some point when we have bigger parties maybe we can also play it on bigger stages so um we're also working with a visual artist michael tietze who's doing videos at the moment which is like the the starting point also for visuals later cool so okay. synced synced <laughs> video and sound yeah we try to i mean we we just uh trying to find out how to really perform the music. And if we know how to do this, we I think we're going to have also synced like visuals and we need to find out how to connect with each other. So how, how, does, how does it, the, what's your idea? What's the, what's the, the idea behind um, are you trying to fully recreate the the stuff uh, on the album um, and then have live variations of it? Or are you just setting up a bunch of gear which sort of has the same range and span in, in terms of sound and did you do something completely different? What's the idea? Uh, no, for now, actually, now for the beginning, we start like to do like a, a version maybe of the original. So we, we just exported all the, the stems from the album 
and some of the midi parts also. So we will have like the main synths, which is easy to recreate because we have the sounds, for example, on the peak, we use it a lot. So I have all the presets saved and we can use these sounds and all the sounds we we are not able to recreate. We use like the, the samples or loops, you know, and then we jam this out live. Mm. Cool. cool. So is there um, any flexibility in terms of uh, arrangement? Do you... Yeah, yeah, the arrangement is like, it's not fixed. I mean, no, we, okay. have, so can, uh, we have a track list now, mm. but because we also have like some like drastic like tempo changes, because mm. one half of the album is like 115, and then we go up to 150, 60, 70 in the end. So, because <laughs> it's like half step and... I mean, one of the one of the tracks was like 300 BPM when we produced it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Standard. Yeah, it was, uh, it was more like a joke. I mean, and in the end, it's like 150 or you. Yeah, or 600. You, yeah. <laughs> Which machine is able to do 600? Yeah, yeah even uh, Ableton uh, is able to go up to 1000. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah, but I think we all also had problems, for example, with the analog rhythm. It stops at 250, 60 something. Yeah. So this is what the people get, say in the forum the speed copy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you get like really nice, weird glitches and noises then mm. when, when you when you reach these temples. <laughs> nice. So I you're basically just preparing stuff and and see how how it all f yeah. fits together and how you can do a version with enough flexibility to improvise but still have a yeah. backbone you can rely on. Yeah. Okay, that's the plan. Yeah, all right. Yeah. So we just started. And we, I think that's something we, we, we need some time also. I mean, for this first thing, we do it without video just to find out how to play together because we actually never really played live together. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we just move on. I think we're going to have some time. Yeah. Nice. If it starts to be boring, uh, you can always add a piece of gear and jam on top of it. I wish yeah, I was that organized and could, uh, like, I wish I had like mastered stems or something I can just build on and um, yeah, but yeah. I'm always uh, creating something new and it's pretty stressful, but it makes also fun. But, <clears throat> I'm not that organized uh, as you are. <laughs> but when you play live, you have the Octa track or? Yes, I do. Okay. It's basically you... uh, the center of the set. Since I have it before, it was uh, the rhythm. Uh, yeah. But since I have the Octa track is uh, basically everything builds around that. Like there are the sequences and patterns where there's some space to uh, um, improvise still. Mm. Uh, then the modular, which is has like a crazy part and a controlled part. And uh, if I need some drums for extra something, I just have the rhythm and my oh, yeah. drum kits kind of prepared. Yeah. Yeah, oh, but nice. then you can have like this, uh, for example, drum loops and stuff from the octa track. Or do you have to? Uh, yeah, I, I use the rhythm, but I can have like pads yeah. and stuff. I have it as a backing track, kind of. Mm. Um, mm. Or like some sounds which just give me a little bit of orientation where I am and like how much time is already uh, yeah. fly away already. <laughs> I should jump in quickly and uh, do some household, household stuff. Like uh, uh, we changed. Um, 
uh, the system a little bit. Uh, everybody knows that uh, Sander is always with me here in the in the studio. He's actually back there. Wave, Sander. Yeah, <laughs> there he is. <laughs> and, uh, he's always uh, instructing people how Streamyard works. That's the the, the platform we use here. And um, uh, every week, I find myself uh, kind of confused by talking to the guests and and you know hang out and chat about about what we whatever we talk about. And then at the same time, taking keeping an eye on the comments. So now this new feature, a new uh, variation, is that Sander just brings in comments sometimes, and I can just uh, participate. Hello. So hey. <laughs> this is on Hello. People, people from the Discord server and our regular viewers are showing up. So that's that's very nice. Yendrik, nice. Good Yendrik, is, uh, hello, hello. Yeah. So <laughs> everybody who is uh, watching this on on YouTube uh, or Twitch, um, as usual, you can post your questions in the comments, and then in this case, Sander today can bring them up into the conversation, and um, and we can talk about it. Um, so. Yeah, so uh, Twitch is something we started to use as one of the broadcast platforms since last week. So I think you know there's a whole potential audience out there that we want to see if we can if we can reach them. The more people, the more the merrier, I guess. So if you are if you are on Twitch, um, have a look, and uh, we'll maybe see you there. I never used that Twitch. Well, you know, it's a it's primarily uh, popular in the gaming world you know it's like uh watching over the shoulder of some person playing games and then interact with uh it's sort of half tutorial half um just you know being with somebody who's doing who's playing your favorite game so it's like there's a <laughs> education element and a social element there's have a look there it's uh, it's fun it's fun it's, yeah, it's a cool cool platform yeah do you have experience on twitch uh john uh, I have used it in a very limited capacity. Yo, Marcus. Marcus. Um, uh, yeah, I, I was a part of the, the live stream. Uh, live, uh, actually, for the first time with uh, with Colleen, uh, Lady Starlight, for a broadcast for some Minneapolis promoter friends of mine that were putting together a nice event on Twitch. And so, yeah, that was that was our interaction with it. How was oh. your first time playing live? It was a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I loved it. I mean, I I, I produced mostly um, in the box, so to speak, and but I mean, certainly, it's interesting because there's certainly a physical element to what I do. A lot of the way I produce is I'll have the idea and I'm able to just kind of conjure that as as I want to out of what I have in the box. Um, but certainly, um, with kind of my background dancing. Playing live, the physical element of it is really is really satisfying to be able to just change something with your you know with one touch and then then the pattern is reacting instantaneously. So yeah, it was a blast. But I was just using like the um, the uh, like just rolling like seven seven oh seven and then uh, the oh wow seven oh seven. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So machine alive and 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 this so just like simple drum machine stuff and just bam program patterns beforehand. Some of them on on the on the, the rolling side of things, and then I had some pads and loops and chords. Some of which I played live, like piano style uh, on the on the pads. But yeah, it was for me. I had to keep it really simple because I wanted to to be able to kind of improvise a little bit and have some things that I can build for myself within that to just jam with. It's cool so if you do it together. You have uh, you have somebody who's always working, so you have like a little bit of like space to improvise. I like that. 
Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. The more people, the, the better. <laughs> If it's not yeah. somebody who is like jumping in on your machine and pressing it up on your thing, yeah. on your yeah. patch. And then on the mixer, I mean, you know, <laughs> DJing, and then on the mixer, I, I, I definitely know what I'm doing there. <laughs> so I can, I can jump in and affect things or mix uh, as well. So it was, yeah, it was nice to collaborate and then be able to kind of jump in and out, but also have room to just have my own stuff that I'm doing and also, co you know, interact and pass the control over to, to someone else and then kind of be like the backing, the backing track, uh, the backing uh, elements. And then did you, did you, uh, did you kind of divide roles in advance or were you, was it just quite a matter of just listening carefully to whatever is happening and then just react to things oh, that are going? We, well, I just had, I had a bunch of things that I just programmed in the drum machine beforehand. And then, I had an idea of what could work when, but it wasn't like we practiced and said, okay, this is going to be the beginning, middle, the end, something like that. Um, it was more, I had a different grooves programmed that I felt could work in different ways. And then I would just go throw to them in the right point when I felt the compliment was happening mm. and, and go to the next thing. Uh, and I, and same with, same with the other stuff. I had, I had a bunch of different kind of, you could say, I guess, uh elements that could be tracks that i could inter interact with uh as i needed to and just pull up one element of one and then just complement whatever she was doing so it wasn't like there was a, a hard and fast plan of sticking to to that but i had kind of a general knowledge of what what would work well for a certain mood and then be able to go to that and, and dial it in and pull up an element or two and then interact with it live so yeah that was that was that but uh yeah, it was fun Yeah, it, I I I noticed that um, um, with the some collaborations I've done um, that if you play together more more than once, um, sometimes roles automatically kind of develop. You know, um, yeah. I've had this thing with uh, Tony with a surgeon uh, called yeah. multiples, and yes, um, it's it's I, I guess it's also it's both in the nature of the equipment we used. As well as in the, you know, the way musically we play together. Or oh, who has the better skill, does more this sort of thing, and like who likes to do melodies or who likes to do drums? Then no, some people just yeah, it was sort of like that, but also yeah. also very much what can what can the gear do? Uh, how, how fast are you react with reacting or uh, flowing with a certain <laughs> instrument? You know, I mean, and um, we used to <laughs> joke a little bit like. Uh, the roles we eventually defined was that uh, he was the, the lead singer and the guitarist and I was the, the drummer and the, the bass player, you know? <laughs> But yeah. I mean, if, if we would have had a, we're going to do a, a thing again uh, very, very soon, like a seated concert, hardware improvisation, which will, uh, at least from my side, have a, a different approach, a different setup, uh, more sort of hardware based and, and uh, without any, anything prepared or programmed. And just do all the programming on the fly, and that's basically the way Tony always works. You know, he's um, brings his um, gear, and it has a certain patch that he can modify. But usually, it's sort of ready to go, and um, and then it's just a matter of um, reacting to whatever it's going on and improvising on on the spot, which is um, it's dangerous, but it's it's a lot of fun, and it keeps you mm -hmm. on your toes. So the next show we'll go, we're going to do it. I think the roles are probably less important and it's m more a matter of feeling each other out and see what happens you know is it uh, going to be an uh, actual concert or a streaming no it's an actual concert yes yeah but what it's a, it? it's a 
seated concert. It's uh, the 23rd of October. It's the day before we do the ADE store thing mm. um, in Tilburg in um, 013, big venue in the south. So anyway, it's a, it's a massive venue that can hold very few people. So it's like, like a chamber music setting, you know, so it's yeah. uh, people sitting down. And I think that cool. doing it like this is probably more appropriate for that setting, you know, just have a sort of, you know, more improvisation kind of yeah. approach rather than uh, active listening. It out, you know? <laughs> yeah. So is that, is the, your, your octet track is the heart of your system and then that obviously has some stuff pre-programmed or at least some samples ready to go. Uh, I, I, I use it less as a sampler, more as a um, sequencer because I just love oh, You use the MIDI part of it? Mm-hmm. Ah, okay, okay. You know, I sequence the modular system with it. Um, yeah, I have like three voices on the modular system so they can really go... I can basically just play synthesizer music for a yeah. long time, <laughs> uh, without drums even, but if, if it has to be like for a dance propose or the dance floor, then I can just add some drums and uh, go a little bit maybe, yeah, faster and repetitive maybe. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, also, I don't really use it as a sampler, just for emergency cases. I have like some tracks on it um, and background sounds basically. But sometimes I also, also basically, I also have them in the modular system. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And do you, you have pre-programmed sequences or do you just tap them in on the fly? Uh, I do have some uh, pre-programmed and I also have the possibility to just interact, like add some notes and uh, mm. turn maybe the LFOs off or take the trick conditions off. So it's completely changing. Mm. Um, I like to play with it. I, as I prepare something just for my own um, feeling of being safe. Uh, but uh, yeah, I uh, definitely can also improvise with it. Yeah, well, it sounds like it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the octa track is very—it's insanely flexible, and it's funny. The and every now and then the octa track comes up in these uh, chats, and it's uh, funny to see everybody uses it in in a totally different way. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever uses it <laughs> the same. It's funny. I never yeah. used the um, looper in it, but I think it could be a great thing to learn. I mean, I think it's not so difficult, but I think I should use it um, for, um, instead of using backing tracks for background sounds, I could just like resample some wavetables through reverb or something, just with some VCAs and then, uh, yeah. In real play. time, you mean use it as a real time looper, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, just play with the internal effects and LFOs modulations and stuff, and then just bounce out my sequences and stuff could be a good way to use it would make my uh, life set more life yeah if yeah. i had something like a little polysynth or like this little um how it's called haken haken mini continuum i think oh yeah, yeah. i want to get that just for playing live it's so small light uh and has big sounds in it oh it, it has internal sounds i didn't see that version yet i just know the the big controller you know the the that one doesn't have sounds right it's just a controller no, it has sounds. It has uh, even oh. a software uh, where you can kind of modular way do your own, um, basically DSP based sounds. Yeah, I've I've seen lots of people using it in uh, in uh, conjunction with uh, Kima, the Kima system. That's that's how it got on my radar. Never got around. Um, it's not a, really the type of interface that I was um, looking for, but. Um, 
I know a lot of people who use Kima use the use that as a controller. Yeah. I didn't know that internal sounds. Mm -hmm. They, they sound good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, some uh, that's um, already some uh, some tips for playing live here, Mike. Ask me for tips. As you were trying to get your live show together. There's, um, Actually, I mean the, the the thing what I realized. I mean, also last week I played a, also my other album, which just came out. Yeah, uh, I played this also live with a really small. Is there something with your mic or is it my uh, headphones? No, you're a bit low on uh, on volume. Maybe you should loop. Okay, maybe, maybe. I, I, oh. I, I should a bit. So actually, um, I had a small setup also with a computer and two synthesizers, some um, electron stuff. And I found out that I had too much stuff. So I <laughs> also, for the techno stuff, I think... I need to reduce myself much more. And I think that's <laughs> maybe the the first thing or the first advice. I think Tony also had this advice uh, in one of the other uh, Not Twiddler shows that you are like dumb when you, you are like 50% dumber when you play live, when you're in this situation, <laughs> you know, yeah. you're like, everything okay, you prepare, you know, doesn't yeah. usually, only a few things actually make sense. But when you're put on the spot there, everything changes, everything is different. Yeah. And yeah. you have to kind of uh, do your emergency um, tricks, you know? Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So I I try to keep it as, as simple as, as possible now. So. Mm. Well, it makes sense because in the end, you know, you're building a system which is effectively... <laughs> an instrument you know yeah. uh, as much as uh, uh, any other instrument it makes sense to to be fluent on it and to yeah. uh, to be able you have to be able to really play with it you know yeah. uh, and um, uh, yeah you have to kind of know the inside out you have to kind of know what you can expect where the limitations are and if your brain is free from you know just trying to keep things going and, and listen and, trying to and, listen Yeah, exactly. Well, well, yeah. I mean, listening is always very important, you know. But it's uh, <laughs> the main thing, actually. Especially if you're collaborating, then the, I would yeah. say the listening yeah. is even more important than the the playing, than the doing. Yeah. yeah. You know, if if something sounds right, you know, don't do anything. Keep your hands. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just let it go. Just let it develop. You yeah. Know? Just let it. Um, yeah. I mean, four hands on on, or even six, if you depending on how many people are in your your group. Um, yeah. You know, they can change so much in, in an instant. You know, it's better just yeah. to have one thing, one person manipulating something and the other ones yeah, just yeah, yeah. kind of follow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's also yeah, a bit easier. <laughs> it's, it's a bit easier uh, also with the improvisation. You're more than hey, like Tony. One, one person. Hey, Tony. Hi, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you are more than one person, so you are more like really like a band. So one plays like one instrument, the other one plays the drums or something like this. I think you can focus much more on stuff like this. But if you are one person controlling like two synthesizers, the computer and a mixer. Yes, I'm enjoying effect, this. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, It's uh, quite a lot of things are happening in a really short amount of time, you know. And I mean, it's also a little bit different than DJing, you know. 
uh, also when you play four tracks on a DJ mixer, you don't have to think about the next pattern or what, which, which one you mute or, or let's say, um, to get in this stage for, for doing this at, with the live. So I'm doing it was I think to play like 100 live or something just to get like really cool and to to you know what Lifting I mean? Switching around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just be free, enjoy it. You know, like uh, really just enjoying and not thinking so much about what 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 are you doing next? You know. Exactly. Yeah. So therefore, the range of what you can do, uh, it's not it's not a problem if it's a, it's a limited range, you know, yeah. uh, and and DJ experience does really come in handy when you play live too. like yeah. uh, John already explained, you know, if you if you have a DJ mixer, it's, see a lot of people using DJ mixers who are playing live because it's yeah. an environment where you're used to, you know what the limits are, you know, where the, you know, it's a few big gestures you can do with it, but it's, mm. you know, Limited, you know, and even, even with a proper desk, you know, you can, if, you know, still has faders and knobs and effect sends, and oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it's, I mean, it's it's not a problem. If uh, I would rather play with something which is really limited uh, but very potent, yeah. and then yeah. which is very complicated and uh, can fall yeah. apart at any time, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Just more simple, the more fun it can be because you have more uh, it's it's fewer channels to let out all of your yeah. creative energy so it's very direct and it's also yeah. easier to follow for the listener because you have uh, these sounds you maybe heard before and then you you hear when somebody actually is doing a change or not if you just add and add and add and then yeah uh, yeah yeah and it's a more yeah, it's a more visceral experience for the, the listener too because yeah it's just the the more sweeping changes made by one one human yeah. to un be heard by another one yeah yeah, when when you play with more than two people, which I've done a couple of times in the recent past, it's um, it's kind of becoming like playing an improvised jazz set, you know, like uh, having like five, four four or five people sitting around, and two of them they start, and then you know the other ones are just nodding for like the first half hour with a, a drink in their hand, and then they join in at some point when they feel they're ready, and then sort of they yeah. take over. And the only thing is basically you you have a tempo and you have um, um sort of like a, a certain energy level and that's all there is to work with you know yeah. so when you join in you can you can choose to sort of slide in and then change the direction a little bit or um you know uh, or just do nothing and just let it happen and then you get this rotation going on with uh, people taking the lead people backing off and it's it's a really nice process it's really cool Yep. Yeah, so we should come over to you to Rotterdam. <laughs> yeah, anytime, anytime. <laughs> I, yeah, I wish I wish it was uh, easy as easy as uh, <laughs> just saying it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you, I mean anybody, if anybody of you, if you can make it here, sure, let's do something. Sounds fantastic. You've you've <laughs> been here, you've been here before, Mike. So you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I it's know been, how it works. It's been. <laughs> it's been Are they good choice? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, what's, what did you say, Jaco? Um, I was asking if you have the good toys <laughs> to play with. There are lots of toys in Johan's. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's plenty of toys, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, he's got been, at least yeah. more than three synthesizers. Maybe <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been cluttering up in, inside the room. I thought when I moved here, yeah, finally I've got space, you know, got, can yeah, yeah, room yeah. to breathe. And within a few months, it was uh, everything was stacked to the ceiling again. <laughs> 
That's how Doesn't it look like from here. Looks okay. Well, it's uh, well, yeah, you can still move around, <laughs> sure. Um, but anyway, yeah. So um, yeah, uh, anytime, always welcome, of course. Thank you. Um, so, John, yeah. you were a dancer before. You said. Uh, yes. I just see you always on the dance floor, like you're dancing like a tectonic star, but uh, <laughs> I, I yeah. didn't know you were a dancer before. Well, um, I, by dancer, I definitely have always been dancing. And since I was, oh, I don't know, I first realized, ah, I like doing this when I was, you know, a teenager, 15, 14, 15, and started going out and hearing house music on the radio in Chicago and then it was played at, even at like school dances and things like that. So I got into it there and started going to clubs uh, around that, around that time too. And yeah, I've done some other just dancing, a lot of it, a lot of it just out and then some for some like videos or things like this. But um, after a while, people wanted to learn from me. So I taught house dance classes for a little while in Berlin. Oh, actually. amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what is house dance? Well, <laughs> show us. No, I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no, <laughs> no. But uh, it's what is house dance? I mean, uh, there's certain people would all would always have their own answer. It depends on who you ask to a degree. But there's certainly a lot of those that are the house dance school that would point to New York in kind of the early 90s when it kind of became defined as a dance style. I mean, of course, there are people dancing to house music in Chicago in the 80s, and there's a whole Detroit dance culture and like JIT and all those other <laughs> styles of dances that were club dances. Um, the style that became kind of what a lot of people refer to as house dance today uh, evolved out of a lot of different kinds of dance styles melding together in New York City and, you know, from the 80s and the 90s. But before that, and then by the mid-90s, it was more uh, developed vocabulary, but I mean, it includes a lot of like tap dance steps and, you know, salsa and jazz and um, kind of modern dance and floor work. And of course, break dancing was developing and there was the, the parties at the loft in uh, Mancuso and people were, where the songs would play beginning to end and people would just dance the whole song and then it would stop, no mixing, and then play the next one. And it was all about <laughs> the dancing. And so and with a wooden floor, like a hi-fi system and a wooden floor and plenty, of room to, to, and plenty of room to move all night, you know, and this is an element that I actually, um, there was always kind of an element of that, a, a focal point of that in clubbing when I was going out where the center of the party was the dance circle in the middle of the club. People would look at the DJ and, you know, care about what was happening and were there for the music, of course, as well. But the, the, the energy focus was this circle that would just be there like all night. And it wasn't official. It wasn't defined. There was no regulation. It was just a community of people that know that this is a space to dance and you can go in. And there's different styles of that from. It's fun to dance together, like yeah. finding someone and then just dancing with that person. And this was also something where people were, people were doing dance as a performative thing. I mean, of course, like the hip hop school things would be more of a battle and people squaring off and trying to compete. But uh, the house side of things uh, was much more about kind of putting moves on display to share with people and kind of elevate the spirit of the whole party and, and show what you got, basically. And I think this is really a fantastic culture. Sometimes I, I miss this. I try to, I try to get this started. Sometimes when I'm out, if I, from around other dancers and I'm at a club, I'll, I'll see if I can get something going. And I have on occasion, but people sometimes don't have the same vocabulary of, of uh, kind of the ritual of that. 
these days here and there. Um, DJ Q, have you ever, you know DJ Q? Or does that uh, ring a bell? Yeah. yeah. He, and I talk, he and I talk about this stuff all the time because, I mean, I don't know, so this is kind of a known thing, so it's not like I'm revealing anything new here, but uh, he was a he was a dancer, um, you know, was touring the world, dan going to Japan to perform as a dancer, you know, back in the day. Um, and yeah, and him and uh, Joey Anderson, who's a DJ and producer, I also a lot of respect for. So they, they, these guys were dancers, and you also really hear that in their music. But um, there's kind of a separation of um, of communities between the, the house dancer community and the club or music driven community. And Q and I will talk about this sometimes when we're hanging out back in the, back in the days early before 2020, when, you know, we'd see each other out and about more in the world. But uh, at any rate, yeah. So this is an interesting phenomenon. But, so you make music uh, uh, standing, not sitting. Uh, do I make music? Well, if it's, if the track's good, I start standing, I start dancing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, yeah. Um, at any rate, so and if you want to learn more, I'm, and I see a question, I'm going to answer that in a second. Yeah, um, Peter T. And hello, Peter T. Hello, Peter. Um, question for your favorite yeah, Chicago continue, club. Continue your story until you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'm going to finish this one thing and, and come come back to your question, Peter. Um, <laughs> But I was going to just give this uh, shout out moment to, to wrap this up. If you want to learn more about house dance and the history, uh, there's a fantastic documentary that came out that was kind of like self-made DIY produced. It's called Check Your Body at the Door. Um, I believe you can I believe you can get it still on like um, iTunes, like the 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 kind of film section of, of iTunes, the, the iTunes store or whatever you would call it. So yeah, have a look at that. And it's kind of an interesting documentary firsthand of the people that were part of that house dance movement in New York. Anyway. Um, I have a so, question relating to dance before you jump into uh, Peter T's um, question. You said these guys are dancers and they are producers and you can hear that. How, how can you hear? Because in fact, you know, we're all, making music and most some of it is functional to dance to how you how do you hear when somebody is a dancer and makes music what is the how does it set the music they do apart from people who are not dancers um well in the case of like if i'm using q and uh joey anderson's music as an example um you hear little very human elements that lend themselves quite naturally to movement um mm. So like there'll be a shaker that comes in and it's just a little out of place and it's a, it kind of staggers off to the one side of the, the headphones or something. And just this little, like, it's kind of, it's the kind of thing where your body would, your body, you catch your body reacting to that. If you're a dancer, you'd feel that and be like, Ooh, that's something I can, I can work with here. You know? So I hear that, I hear that kind of stuff in their music all the time. Um, and there's a certain, and then there's just a certain groove, the way the percussion layers, where you start, to, it has a human physical element to it, where um, some things sound very, can sound very kind of mechanical. Of course, electronic music sounds, sounds beautiful in its machine-driven perfection and simplicity also. And that's, a, that's a one way to go about it that also is spectacular um, when, when done. But uh, as far as hearing what a dancer does, I think there's just a certain groove number one and then the second thing is just the layering of a uh, or introduction of elements some of which might have a surprise either a surprising appearance and disappearance or um just a certain frequency range that that starts that speaks to a, a you know a level of your body if you're talking about the shoulders or the legs or 
hips or head or something. Sure it does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where I, I don't know. Some of it, some of it, you just feel it. Like if you feel it, you know it. And uh, yeah, but I, yeah, I, I think sometimes it, music is really well produced and really like sharp on its point and everything's on its place, but it's just not. Uh, it's just too smart to dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Um, I think there's there's oh, a certain raw again. human human <laughs> element to to the the, the music from the dancer perspective that uh, that has has uh, just even imperfections to it that that you hear and feel that that lends itself well to to, to movement. <clears throat> cool. I mean, sorry, I was always the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I didn't want to leave this question hanging. So sorry. Um, I sh so Peter, I should clarify too that when I was. I was getting into this music in the Chicago area. I was I was a teenager, and I was going out to clubs that were like 15, 16, like sixteen ages and up clubs like that, where they'd have DJs from the city that would come out and play there and things like this. Because in, in in the United States, the drinking age is twenty one, and most of the bigger clubs you couldn't get into until you were twenty one. Um, and then there were also raves that were happening on these different like uh, kind of warehouse parties and stuff like that. But I was going out to wherever I could get in before I was 21. So, I mean, there were some bigger clubs. I will give a shout out to a club that I know really made a huge imprint on um, Chicago that I would I would have loved to have. I, like, you know, this is before the Internet, I also have to say. So, you know, it's harder to find some of these things. You have to really know people that can tell you that you can't just like Google or oh, where's, where's this club or what's going on. How to get into Bergheim. <laughs> <laughs> For example. So, so yeah, but there was a, there was a club that I would say that really had a lot of uh, impact on people. That's um, Medusa's. That was kind of a place that was more like multi ages and it had different um, sounds under one roof um, and combined a lot of people together that uh came from different walks of life different musical backgrounds so there was like you know kind of like punk shows and then uh you know house night after that or some industrial concert and 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 house music later and so we had all these different people mixing that really created a, a creative melting pot so there's that i'd say my favorite club you know from from where i've been also smart bar was always kind of a, a fantastic community driven little club uh that had a nice little sound system and there was a lot of understanding about dancers dancers there would come to dance and that was an understood part of the kind of the vocabulary of of the the nights there so yeah i'd say smart bar of the clubs i've been i would go to in chicago i'd say smart bar is probably my favorite one but i'd have to give a shout out to medusas because they've it's influenced a lot of people that um also were people that that i listened to on the radio and was interested in coming into this before I moved to Minneapolis and started going out a lot more there. That's another whole conversation. Anyway, <laughs> any of you guys in the, uh, so yeah, Mike, Jacom, Jaco, like were there some clubs that you went to or kind of heard about that piqued your interest when you were first getting into this? That was kind of, uh, <laughs> Shall we really speak about this? <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, whatever you want to. Yeah. Hey, Mike. <laughs> I mean, I, I started like going out in the in the really early two thousands in Berlin, so it was um, like Tresor at nice. that time. Tresor also Osgood, and are we back? Yeah, sorry. yeah. I lost you. Sorry. <laughs> ah. 
Go on. Sorry. And Casino, I don't know if you know the Casino in Berlin, which it was in Prenzlauer Berg, near to Schönhauser Allee, um, near to Soul House. You know the Soul House? Mm -hmm. Was there? I can, I can was there? I don't know Casino. Was there? A I club, think I'm too young for this. <laughs> was there a club by um, Mike? I don't know if you remember this. I can't remember the name of it. Um, was there ever a club near Volksbühne that you remember? Uh, the Rote Salon, Rote Salon. Ma oh. Yeah, maybe that was it. But I, what, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think it's still there. It's part of of the Volksbühne, I think, the Rote Salon. I, I'm not sure. Uh, there's okay. No, I think I think Salon. Been in, yeah. When I first came to Berlin in 2003, I went to Trezor, the the original one, and uh, and. I think it was this one that the, the, must have been the Rotor Salon. It was just really random. I know I was just like, oh, cool. What's what's this? And this was 2003, so it was, uh, I guess, after it was after Oscott had closed and before Berghain had opened, and yeah. Uh, yeah. it was kind of the rest reality. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In between times, yeah, when I, was yeah, just, yeah. I just came in on a train. I was like, I want to go to some clubs in Berlin, and and what can I find? And and uh, yeah, that's where that's where I ended up. I was also going to maybe go to one of the cookies nights actually too, but uh, yeah. ended up not. But yeah, anyway. And and Jaco, what about you? Do you, do you have any experiences? I mean, um, yeah, that's the girl of Schneider's Laden. <laughs> we have two girls. No, we actually have three girls. <laughs> Boom. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, I'm coming from a village uh, in the west part of Germany, so I went to a lot of dirty little clubs. Uh, but we danced there and we had a lot of fun. And when I came to Berlin um, like six years ago, um, sure, I did all the classics. And I lived directly next to Tresor, so before <laughs> every party, I, uh, made, I, I made super fast friends at the door because um, I couldn't understand how to pay 20 bucks for a night and then making a queue for two hours. So I was, I, I just thought I can just pass that and said, like, hey guys, I'm living next door and I would like to come a little bit more often. And then they said, like, who's that? Who's that little cheeky girl? <laughs> And I was like starting a little discussion because I said, like, I mean, come on, I'm coming more often than just now. And then, I live right there. Come on. Yeah. And after five minutes, a girl from the back came and said, like, here, let the girl in. Gave me a stamp. And from there on, I was basically often there. Made then a lot of friends at uh, the bar. Uh, Lapshi, one of the best there. Uh, so, yeah, I was a lot of times in Tresor before I went to some parties. And when I came back, I passed Tresor. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah sure and at what, point, like, what point did you start making music then so you first we were a clubber and then you know you, i was a clubber and i, I yeah, basically you to, uh, to get into uh, what what did what triggered the uh, interest there um i mean i think if you um if you listen to a lot of electronic music after a while you you start to ask yourself like uh, where do these sounds come from like uh not current, everybody does. Not I mean, I was curious a little bit. Uh, I couldn't understand it. Um, so, yeah, I started to read a little bit about then ended up uh, in uh, equip board. So I figured out how which uh, sort of synthesizers producers are using. I liked. Um, and from there on, you you fast end up in um, forums. And then I started to read the Syn mag magazine and uh, bought this book of Florian Anwander synthesizers. I had 
I had a lot of time because when I moved to Berlin, I uh, I basically just came here because there was like something to study. Uh, the government paid me for uh, because I was a nurse before, and then they uh, gave me six thousand euro to study something, and I just had two years to use that. So I just thought I'm um, learn nursing management. So I did that, did uh, a few night shifts per month, and. The rest of the time I had time to party and uh, learn the music stuff. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah. Hey, drum cell showing up. Hello. Drums. Yeah, this way I got into this. And then I basically never DJed before. Um, I just learned that recently. <laughs> um, uh -huh. I just uh, bought like uh, synthesizers and started to do some sounds uh and that's basically it so so you dove so you dove straight into making your own sounds right away before you ever got into djing yeah, it wasn't really to make my own sounds it was more about like i wanted to understand how that works mm -hmm. uh, and then I, i figured out okay it's not that difficult to make a track and then i had to learn uh, how to record all this stuff um yeah can you can you talk us through the the stuff you have you there behind you because you're um, basic, basic, you're mainly doing stuff with uh, modular, right? Yes, or maybe I just keep that as it is. Um, yeah. yeah, it's not uh, it's not that crazy. My setup, I'm pretty minimal um, because uh, that's my lifestyle. <laughs> I like to uh, huh? less is more. Yes, and it's easier to focus. Um, so uh, you, you want to explain me the modular system or no, not necessarily everything, but just your process, you know, the way you record in the studio, that stuff. Um, also, so Ableton is my uh, master clock, uh, mm -hmm. goes into the rhythm, into the octa track, into the modular system, into the sound card. That's it, basically. Um, I have... Um, so you use the modular for for generating you said before you have three voices and the other stuff exactly. is that manipulation or do you use effects as well to to i basically have everything in the modular I, the, yeah to process the the rhythm and stuff you run it through you run the audio through the modular as well um not really uh just uh i mean i process just the voices in the modular um the drums stay as they are. I have some pedals, so I have like a bit crush. Uh, I can get the highs in. I have like some distortions and some fast things for the mids. And I have the God Eater of Animal Factory uh, <laughs> for uh, the kick. Uh, yeah. And in the modular, as I said before, I have like an analog voice, a digital and some granular stuff. Um, depending on how I patch it, I have something really texturized or something really like fine, plucky, and, uh, yeah, rhythmical. Um, yeah, it looks like a very focused... Uh, so very so focused. When, when you, sorry, when you say you have uh, three voices, is it like three oscillators, or is it three Three oscillators, yeah. three oscillators uh, and um, VCAs, envelopes, filters, everything. Yeah. Like, okay. So you and, have in the really end, one oscillator running at a time for one sound. Uh, do, you stack, do you also stack the oscillators with each other? Sometimes I stack them and sometimes they're running to the same time but with different sequences. So okay. it's really like one, sounds like one complex, uh, yeah, <laughs> patch basically. Yeah. Like one, uh, it can, it can, I can make whole tracks just in the modular. Mm. Um, it's just I have to do all the time something. Uh, yeah, and then it, uh, I have like a bunch of modulation. 
what what is basically the key of uh, the modular sound, um, and then some uh, effects. Yeah, so my new favorite effects: uh, the Happy Nerding um, FX8. I have two of those. FX8. Uh huh. Okay. It's this FV1 chip, I think, based. Um, it's like it's like basically an old chip, but uh, it just sounds really good on really small space stereo. Mm. Nice. <laughs> so, so do you have a do you have a mixer in the modular or where do you mix yeah it? i do i do have a mixer i have a vca which also can be a mixer and a regular mixer just like a five stereo ins and the rest the rest is going also like do you have a extra mixer then to mix everything uh, at, at home i just goes into the sound card and if i'm preparing for life or if i'm Playing a live show, I have like just a oh, yeah. old school Mackie classic. So when you record, does how much does relies on having stuff modulating using modulation sources, and how much does it rely on you performing? Um, I mean, the the I I think it's fifty fifty because the patch uh, idea is already the modulation. Without yeah. it, just sounds always the same, uh, and the the rest is just like. Um, the emotion <laughs> like or when you listen and you want something more natural sounding or like exactly how you like it but show the fast um snappy things you cannot do with a hand mm. yeah of course yeah yeah so okay well i mean you said when there's when the patch is there and there's modulation in there it sounds the same but i mean it's very you know with a simple patch you can have something which is never the same for a million years you know what i mean but you yeah. are talking about actual big movements in the modulation, like which which are which have a certain arc, a tension arc, or something. You you know, you know, like just a filter. human expression, basically. You add you the know. human, expression. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like opening up the decay and uh, the cutoff or whatever. And mm -hmm. for um, a little bit of um, interesting happenings, you do like semi or I do semi uh, gener self generated stuff, mm -hmm. um, just to be surprised. Sometimes I'll have like just something. Uh, random happening eh? sometimes like an sample and hold opens up a, a or generates an envelope and this goes back into the math where then it's you know changing the attack time or something like mm. just a little bit of craziness to to be surprised sometimes unpredictability yeah yeah so if you can react on uh, yourself Oh, there's a question from our lovely Lady Starlight. The mixing module I'm using uh, right now is one is the Happy Nerding 3 VCA, just as a VCA. And if you put the switches down, you have it summed out. And in the end of the chain, I have the um, Befaco STMX. I was surprised about the quality because, um, yeah, I was just surprised because it was a... They also do like this, um, yeah, DIY kits and stuff. And uh, yeah, and as I said, I was surprised about it. It has um, four stereo inputs with just a volume control and one aux. So, um, and this on six HP, it's pretty cool. If I had a little bit more space or a skiff, and I'm thinking about to put uh, to buy a skiff for the live uh, situation to get a little bit of more, um, um, how you say? Uh, utilities, <laughs> um, then I would get something like uh, the Happy Nerding Pan Mix or the Topo Brillo Stereo Mix because you just have um, um, 
you have the panning control, CV controlled, or you have the volume CV controlled. You, ha you can have a um, aux send uh, for effects. And uh, in, in the Topopolo, you even have four VCAs in it. Um, so yeah, if I had more space, I would get something like that. So um, basically, I don't have the, way, right now. the way you work now is so basically the um, your drum machines are one stereo signal. Um, I'm just wondering how how much of it can you still do? You multi-track or or is your your modular is just ends up as a stereo yes. feed? Your it ends system. up as a, a stereo thing. Take it or it, leave it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do it uh, as. Every track I do, if I do it like this, is like directly a training for the live because I have to really listen to what is what is sounding good and uh, because it just stays then stereo. I have a compressor in the end with a sidechain in, um, uh. and I'm I'm waiting for a module to arrive, which is like a five band EQ and on four HP stereo, this uh, WMD uh, Skalpel, and I think this will bring this everything a little bit uh, um, up because my. It would be so cool to have just the octatrack and maybe the rhythm sometimes and the modular system, um, like as a minimal setup, but uh, it has to really sound good you know? um, to not uh, use an external mixer anymore. Yeah, yeah. so you have to have some, some way to keep the dynamics on the control, I guess, on the modular. And yeah, that's the thing, you know. I mean, the, the thing is, we, we, that's one thing you have to always kind of compete with if you if you would um i mean now the situation is different but if you would show up with a live setup with um, you know no treatment in some kind of master chain or um, if your your stuff is just fed into a small mixer or or you know even a modular mixer um there's just no way you're going to be as loud and as as compressed or as you know slick as a dj who's playing before you or after you. There's always way more dynamics to, um, with a lot more headroom, you have to take more headroom as well because you might blow up the system if you don't, you know? So it's um, it's hard to kind of get the same energy level sound-wise. I mean, I'm not talk talking about music, but um, just in terms of sound uh, to compete with um, people who play finished master tracks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think it also depends a little bit on the sound system. If you have a sound system with, which is always running like on max, you know, or shortly before you hit a limiter, then it's maybe something different when you have like an open life, you know, when you have more, when you go like on, on some points a little bit louder, you know, when you have this headroom. But if you have a system which is like closed, yeah, if you if you are basically just manipulating level on a DJ mixer, yeah, yeah. you can play with you can play with that range. You know you can play yeah. with the um, and you know if there is a trust trusty relationship between yourself and the sound engineer, you yeah. can say okay sometimes I'm gonna push it a little bit, but don't 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 worry, I'm gonna take it down again. You know it's just a, an expression thing, and mm. if that that relationship <laughs> is good, then and and they trust you, you can actually play with the dynamics of the sound before you fuck it up or they turn you down you know yeah uh, but with a modular is uh, there's a way more unpredictable you know yeah. unpredictability in there when you modulate something on one system it might sound like there's nothing nothing's happening and on the other system it might sound like uh, you know the whole everything is changing very rapidly you know or um, the peaks are you know coming out in a different way or the, you know just interpreted different by the sound system i guess yeah. So it doesn't sound like at home. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's also something which I realized um, 
like last weekend, you know, when I prepared like this ambient set, when you listen to this music on a big system, it sounds so much different, you know, also like a small kick drum in the studio suddenly has like a huge impact, you know, like a slap in the, in the face. And these these levels uh, to to manage these levels live, I think it's also <laughs> quite difficult to 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 change between a, a normal level sound system and then like 100 dB in a club. You know, it's like totally different when you have the huge subs and everything. I mean, you have a big sub in your studio, but I mean, like really huge monitorings and stuff like this yeah and then you have the sound check and you think like ah oh, somehow i think there's too much bass and then the guy says like yeah the people are going to absorb that and then you're playing you still think ah oh, isn't isn't that too much bass it's, yeah it is you have to i don't know like me when i get unsure and it brings me out of focus i just put my headphones on because i trust on these headphones sometimes i wear them at home just and then i'm sure okay i'm fine i can just continue um, yeah, it can it can make it can make you feel really unsure. No. Um, but that's also the challenge and the charm, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, if it's not dangerous and if it's not uh, something that is um, putting you on the spot, it um, it could end up being very boring. So um, <laughs> keeps keeps you on your toes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you're planning doing more live stuff, uh, John, or? Um, 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 have you, did you get um, inspired by the? Oh, I'm, I'm absolutely, absolutely would be up for for doing something again at some point. Um, Solo or in collaboration form? Well, any... I mean, I should I should be very clear and say I would be up for it. I'm definitely not about to reveal, uh, yeah, this, the the live set that I've been working on for for the last few months or something like that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I think I had a lot of I had a lot of fun, and you know, I would I would consider doing something like that. For me, it would be just a matter of translating what it is um, in the studio to to live. I mean, Mike was talking about you know building building out a live set from what he, he had made and you know also for me because a lot of that because all of it is coming from so far mostly from from the in the computer in the box i'd have to come up with a way to to do that if it was just a controller or something like that or maybe i would want to incorporate some gear so so there's there's some things that i would want to consider before yeah, or I would translating the stuff you have into midi uh, information yeah. and then sending it to a synth or something yeah and i, I like i like to i would like to have some potential in there to improvise. So how would I go about doing that in a way that was very natural? Um, I also, um, uh, I also play saxophone and, um, there's an element of that that I would sometimes would consider bringing. I've even played that over DJ sets at some point. Um, but also saxophone. MIDI, like also like a MIDI, MIDI saxophone to control, oh, you know, okay. synthesizer or something like that. Um, and and also and like the soma uh, pipe, uh, Jocko, you I'm sure uh, at Schneider's Lab already have you know all kinds of all kinds of things that I have that I haven't even looked into yet. But but yeah, um, there's a lot out there. I have I have looked into some things, but um, it's something that I would consider doing down the line. But uh, Jocko, you also mentioned oh like saxophone and. Uh, yeah, right I remember. Mini so. <laughs> reminds me. There was this. Uh, I think in the nineties, Akai made this. Uh, yeah, some stuff. Yeah, EWI the thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's one of them. And then there's like a there's yeah. a, a, a wireless version as well. 
But I was going to say, even saxophone, like the 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 say the analog saxophone, uh, or you know, uh, the original instrument itself in dance music is something that I think whenever I say it, people always have a reaction of like, hmm, what would that be like? Because it's because <laughs> I'm, oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to be. I'm gonna have your hair sort of blowing into one of these blowers, and oh, yeah, I've got a, a fan. <laughs> I've got a white shirt. It's got the first couple buttons unbuttoned. No, uh, no, no, no. But uh, it's it's really a matter of restraint because I would be the first to say that saxophone on any dance track is is it's just a step away from absolute ruination, to be honest. But but uh, it's so it's, you, a, you, it's a matter of restraint, restraint, right, right. and you, choosing. Or would you uh, treat it after miking, or how how would you? Or are you? Well, you when know? I, whenever I would play it, also like even live in the past or something, um, I would just have effects through it, like a mic on it, and then just effects like a reverb and delay, or even just one right. or the other, and that's it. But again, playing as little as possible, mm. and and just very selective, and then you, people think, oh, I'm not, yeah, I'm yeah, not. that sounds bad. <laughs> you you play you play just a little bit of it, and I'm like, oh, what was that sound? And it's got a very powerful kind of sonic signature that punches mm. through everything in, in, a, in a mix. And that's why it's also could be really annoying if it's played too much. So just a little bit. And then people are like, wow, that's really powerful. And they want more of it. And they never thought they would. And it's like, oh, no, I'm not going to play it that much. That's better to, better to keep people wanting more than wanting less. True. <laughs> so. That's a really good strategy. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So, so both Yako and Mike, they, you are talking about recreating stuff which is based on uh, music you have released or are uh, prepared, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, is that is that something you think you should do? Like, uh, should it represent something people know? Or um, because I've I've kind of sort of left that um, idea behind a little bit. You know, I'm just uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know just improvise and see what happens. You know, something that is. Um, when you do it a few times, becomes uh, a kind of signature sound or something people recognize. Yeah, you have a lot of style. freedom there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it can become something that people can kind of recognize the style of, yeah. but not necessarily the tunes or the the melodies or uh, you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, what is that? Thought? What's yeah. the thought behind recreating something that is basically that's the question. That's my question. <laughs> my idea is not like to really recreate one-on-one like what I did before. So I use, for example, like MIDI, melodies, chords and stuff. And um, I I want to have this like um, this record, recognizable part, you know. For example, you hear, ah, that's this track from the CP, one of my favorites, but then it sounds different because you add another hi-hat, you add another bass line, but you mix these parts like like an extended DJ set more or less for me, you know? So mixing like parts from tracks I already released, samples, stuff like this, with like stuff I can create live on top, you know, having like a bass Bass synthesizer, less uh, like the SH101, for example, is one of the synthesizers which is so often used in these live sets. I think because it's it, it covers like such a wide range of sound and is also like easy, easily usable 
or yeah, programmer yeah. on stage. And I mean, what I told you is like that I also use the peak quite a lot um, during the process or the um, the recording when we did the album with Oli. Also, my other album was was uh, done a lot with the peak, and I can save these, these sounds I used. And then manu manu manipulate them like uh, you uh, in a different way, or make the arrangement different, but have like some some kind of like parts what what you can rec recognize from the original, you know. Yeah, I think uh, yeah. Uh, I was gonna put that in the screen too. The, yeah. Robin, our friend Robin, sub. Hi, Robin. <laughs> He comments, it's like remixing your album live on stage. Yeah, actually. yeah. It's the, yeah. Yeah, for yeah. me, it's a little bit like the, the, the exten extension of the DJ set, you know? So mm. having your performing the music you created live and having all the parts like separated and then choose like, okay, I, I mix maybe this bass line with this chord or something like this. So it depends, of course, uh, tonality. Bit, I think it's the the next next level from DJing for me. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's more more pieces to make the puzzle with, basically. Yeah. Just instead of having uh, three or four sources, you can yeah. have an basically infinite amount of sources and make choices in different. Yeah. different times of the process um yeah so yeah yeah it's it sounds like a really flexible way of doing it especially also yeah. if you also bring hardware and you get some, yeah. some of the sounds um uh sounding separate from the noodler you have the noodler right yeah yeah but this was something what i i mean i didn't use it in the end for the for the um What's the noodler? it's a small sequencer Okay. Um, I think we talked about it last time. It's here. It's ah, uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So this would be something nice for you can connect like four, four uh, different instruments, and you have a drone pad part and like two motive parts, which is basically like arpeggios or uh, uh, short sequences. And you can set like a, a key and then just jam with it. It's like more or less a little bit uh, random melodies, but it's fun. Like you, can, you cannot really program like patterns or anything like this. So you start like every time you start from scratch. That's cool. Has, has uh, working in this way on translating your own music to kind of a, a live show giving you any different windows into your own, your, you know, into yourself or your own ideas where you're like, oh, I never thought of interpreting this idea that way. And you ended up producing a new track uh, from something that you came across while trying to make this process work. I mean, this yeah, happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, every time, you know, you, you, during this this process also of um, like preparing samples you know you you hear like for example like a loop 
of something which you never re hear alone, you know, and then you get a new idea. Okay, then I, I could mix this with, with another uh, percussion yeah. or anything else. Um, so yeah, and I mean that that was also or is something what I think as a DJ is is what the most fun is like creating from existing material something new. So. Yes. Yeah. Word. <laughs> As I'm different, um, I I wish I w w was that organized. Um, and as I said before, I wish I had like mastered stamps or something because then it would make things easier. But uh, now I got like some tracks um, which are going to be released, which came from live sets. I uh, I just prepared live sets, played them, and then uh, people were requesting like, "What's the track ID?" or like, "What was that track around that minute?" Uh, and then uh, I just try to uh, recreate that a little bit with the uh, um, yeah idea I had before, and you have to play it a lot of times through to get back to it. But uh, it works. Like I get ideas from uh, the live sets. Yeah. So basically, you by performing them out, um, the final form of the, the the track that you eventually record as a as a recording has already been uh, developed by playing them out playing them out and and uh um yeah yeah it makes sense cheers <laughs> uh, yeah I, I used to do that too i mean um makes sense to um instead of just playing um like um, an early recording of something in a dj set it makes more sense to play it live and so you can actually feel how how it how the track sort of functions or yeah. how the piece of music works. Um, yeah, how long you can play with it and then yeah, exactly. yeah. And crystallize out what, what is good and what not. <laughs> yeah, and also how, you know, how long certain things could last and, you know, yeah. because sometimes in the studio you get the timing wrong, you know, of, of things. Yeah. You you make things too long or too short because you think that's makes sense at the moment, but when you play it out, it, it could be something, uh, yeah, some part that is... It just sounds boring because you have you were kind of uh, attached to the, the the idea with that went on there uh, too much in the studio and you you know you made it longer because you were proud of it <laughs> and then it seems to completely go over everybody's head when you play it out so yeah. it's, it's good to kind of kind of find find the how a track works by by performing it first a few times yeah. definitely. So it's it's pretty much the other way around. So Mike takes stuff on the road, which has already been recorded, and you do it the other way around. <laughs> pretty much, right? Yeah. Animal factory amplification <laughs> is showing up. It's a I nice guy. It's uh, where I got the pedal from. Oh, guy. nice. Okay. And Shout so for who is that question? Factory. How do you yeah. use distortion as dynamics process in the studio and live? Hmm. Du oh, hast doch, uh, you have the uh, mic, the I mean, um, multiband uh, thing I saw in the electronic beats. What is it again? This um, the multiband um, compressor. The drama. Genau. I don't use it so much in the studio. The drama. I mean, I, I mean, distortion as dynamic processors is like I use distortion quite a lot in the studio, like while recording also here, I mean, the charisma, I actually, the uh, I got this from Jochen, the charisma, you still have it in the studio? I still do, yeah. Um, do you use it a lot? 
Not recently, but it's one of these things that you can just um, quickly punch in and out, see if it does yeah. anything. If it doesn't, you just switch it off again. If it does, and yeah, and you find a setting which is nice, which is the, yeah. the range is is pretty much from very very subtle uh, yeah. saturation to full blown distortion. But I mean, yeah. the, it it it's one of these things you can just go to and very quickly find out does it do anything, and if it doesn't, yeah. I just leave it alone. Yeah, because I have it in my drum channels and the inserts on the mixer like always on for example <laughs> it's, always on. it's always on and um I, I, I love it i i love it for kick drums because it uh, can go from as i said like really subtle to like super heavy compression and um but for dynamics i um i wouldn't use like the The the, the 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 distortion as as a dynamic tool. I mean, it can be like a compressor, but I have this 500 box, which I also bought for the live set, which is uh, has uh, two modules. It's the Elisa character, which is um, a, a nice distortion tool, and then uh, as The end of the chain is uh, the Elysia, um, how is it called? Expressor, which is um, yeah. um, a little, a, a quite nice compressor, which is really nice. And also, I, I tried it now for the live set and it works quite well. And, and I mean, there is no fixed, fixed way, I think, to use compression. You can, I, I, I think you can use it for everything on everything, yeah. just depending on like how, like, as I said before, yeah. I had some, as I had once in a setup when I was started to be bored of the rhythm sound, uh, because it was just dead somehow. It was on every record on, was like Henning Bearma, I think 2017, it was on every <laughs> dance record. He said, anyway, yeah. I, I, I used a um, bit crush for hi-hats and stuff. And then another distortion for the mids, and then like something really mono for the bass, mono with uh, compression, and then on the synthesizer to just give a little bit of like ear candy uh, uh, with EQ and saturation. Also, I think you can use distortion on everything. Just, just yeah, and in every part of the process as well. You know, I mean, you can. <clears throat> I mean, there's so many ways to get distortion. You can. But basically, get it by just overdriving some part the of the mixer, yeah. anywhere, yeah, or or the input stage of something, you know. Um, I usually or as a main it, part of a track. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or or you can do it in post, you know, or have some distortion or or compression on a bus, like Mike Mike uh, said. But um, yeah, I mean, the, um, there's so many types of distortion too. You're like overdriving yeah. it one way, but going all the other way around, like having signal. Sort of, you know, very, very low. So you get all the noise with, with uh, from from the signal path and just blow that up to big proportions. Is is yeah. in a way also a distortion. You know, to get like a, yeah. a gritty and a noisy uh, sort of layer in, in into your sounds by just having your you know mess with uh, the levels in in your chain. Yeah, uh, can be in a, a tactic. Sometimes that works. I mean, we, we, we use mm -hmm. this, uh, tactics quite a lot. Uh, um, With like having the outputs from the drum machine quite low, and then 
yeah. uh, putting up the gain, also all the noise which comes yeah. with this, and then put it into a compressor, and you get this like pumping, like only from the kick drum. Yeah, like, you can you can start hearing all the artifacts, like you can hear yeah. the internal clock of the machine running and shit like yeah. that. You know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, uh, you know, all kinds of interference shows up when you when you do that. It's it's a nice nice technique. But I mean, yeah. So there's so many ways to fuck up your sound and get more character into it um i i pretty much use things like this in every part of the chain you know it can be uh at the stage where i'm just uh you know getting a sound together on, on a modular or on a synth there could be distortion involved there or or further down the line when it's already been recorded and it's just an after treatment kind of thing so um yeah many ways i mean maybe it can make yeah. it a little bit dynamic if it's um um like with something um like a reverb or like this with this one pedal with a um spring reverb and a distortion in it and then it's like it's um pushing it away but when it comes back it has like a little bit of reverb so it's like mm -hmm. i, don't, I yeah. think it's like this um vermona filter lancet there's like a spring reverb in it and a um distortion and that's, that sounds dynamic uh, mm. I mean, it's hmm. like just, it's not stereo or anything, but it, it, it has like movement in it and it push it, it pushes everything back and then comes back with a little bit of air. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's John Hester cool. has to comment on the distortion thing oh, too, because it I was use, a question to all. Ah, uh, okay. Well, <laughs> I, use, I use distortion. I use distortion a little bit. I definitely... There's maybe a little bit of distortion and then saturation, uh, combination of saturation and compression on things. And sometimes I'll play around where I'll have, you know, saturation and a tiny bit of distortion, some compression, and then oh, maybe some other saturation, a different kind of compression. Just <laughs> I want it to sound like that and I'll just go for it. And how does that sound? And record it and do that again if, it, if, it, if the sound merits it, you know, because maybe also like some similar instances when I, I'll make some something come together um uh and i'll just have this this uh output of the the soft synth the thing that i've kind of built together it comes out at a very low level and then i'll run it through all this stuff so yeah you start to hear some more strange things and artifacts in there mm -hmm. and um yeah just run it through a bunch of stuff and what what sounds good and, and hits correctly is that it pleases the ears and is working then i'll, I'll go with it yeah, there's no one fixed way. I guess I guess it's like using any other tool or any other technique in the studio. You can you could just you just try it and see how it works. Uh, if it works for you or not, you know, does it do anything that I like? And uh, can I get um, a sound out of it that I like? Um, and if not, you ditch the idea again and move on to the next uh, experiment. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny. I was uh, talking to um, uh, two people. Um, before this chat, I've actually been talking now for the whole day. <laughs> we've, uh, we've set we've set up a, a masterclass as uh, one of the highest tiers in our Patreon, and people can join that. And then I basically do this with uh, you know instead of uh, guests and, and live, I do it with uh, people who want to learn more about uh, production. Um, so anyway, but the question is, oh, there's a lot of people. Um, also on our Discord server, asking, should I do this or should I do that? Should how should I use my distortion? What is the best reverb? Kind of, kind Shall of. Shall I start know. with a modular? Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, but the thing is, you know, it's it's basically just whatever the hell you 
you want you know it's like yeah, well, there, there are no rules it's just yeah. uh if it sounds nice it sounds nice if it sounds shit it's it's a uh, ditch the idea you know yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's just um it's the the road um or the the process of of, uh, of discovery i think that is the most important uh, thing when you're making music you know just fuck around and see what happens Absolutely. yeah and what works the best yeah you find it out by trying it and and now to anyone listening uh, asking these kinds of questions it's also like well what what do you want to say what's your yeah. idea that you want to put forward maybe you want what to make something that's yeah. really noisy and and gritty and in your face and that's your vision and then go for it and use the distortion you want and uh marcus so good there's no wrong or right it's techno what key is this in again no uh, but, but uh but, well, it's true uh, for techno but it's true for all music you know yeah 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 and, and and some of the greatest some of the greatest pieces of music have been is made it by, wrong by by trying to break the rules you know so yeah well, not, think, even, not even trying to but just arriving at some point and you know doing some stuff that is um uh, that nobody ever did before, or that is maybe yeah. maybe even a stupid mistake, connection, wrong connection, or a wrong note somewhere. Or, and, and Absolutely, like, there was, hey, there was hey, a, stick with this, you know. <laughs> there was a, a couple a couple of things on that with the wrong note. Actually, there was this legendary uh, Herbie Hancock story where he was where he was playing piano with Miles Davis on stage, and he was playing chords, and he hit a wrong note and it was apparently to him it sounded really bad he's like oh i've made this terrible mistake and everybody heard it and then miles stopped playing for a second and then he played some other notes that as as he put it made his his mistake his chord sound right mm. so it just recontextualized it um and so that was you know that was music all, live improvisation um recontextualizing music so yeah it, just with a different vision or someone introduces an element that might seem strange and then there's a way to to kind of find a new path forward from that moment if, if you're willing to take the the leap but yeah i'd say anybody listening it's like yeah do what you make your your own sound and uh somebody else in the chat in the chat or the comments was saying something like do you should you listen to a lot of a lot of techno or you should listen to no techno if you're trying to produce it um I think you listen to whatever you personally want and find your own way and, and make the music that you want to make that, that's, that comes naturally from me, from you. So yeah, it's like, go for it. <laughs> go for it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I think copying in the beginning makes a little bit of sense. Uh, like having something you really love and you want to maybe uh, get um, just to learn how to do these sounds sure. uh, and how to get to, to what you're aiming for. Uh, and then from that on, you, you definitely have to try out things, but um, just directly like, um, like just trying out without knowing anything is, and then calling it experimental or something or avant-garde is not working. In my opinion. Is, yeah, sure. uh, um, yeah. Learn the framework at least for yourself, but, but then yeah, let your voice develop and, and yeah, everybody, I think, I mean, would start out, and you have to put in the hours. Somewhere. You have to put in the hours. Yes. You know? It's it's not something you you uh, you don't develop a signature sound in in two weeks. It's something that grows over years and years. And um, um, yes, uh, well, I mean, nights of not sleeping. Yeah, yeah the struggle, <laughs> the struggle. Nights of half, nights of half sleeping in the studio. Right? <laughs> Which studio? I cannot afford a studio. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At home, at the living room, yeah, on your on your computer in a studio somewhere, working till you can barely stay awake anymore. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it happens. <laughs> I saw another. Yeah. Oh, here we go. 
from Stefan Desario. I hope I don't uh, butcher his name. Just go fast to the toilet. I'm sorry, the matter is uh, doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Come back in a sec. See you in a bit. Um, well, don't take over. <laughs> okay. Um, so my workflow, special tools, I may use. Uh, hello, uh, Stephen. Uh, thank you for the question. Uh, I mean, my, my workflow, uh, as I've mentioned, I'm working uh, kind of in the box and using Ableton. So um, as far as generally speaking, my workflow first comes from an idea. Um, a lot of times, my, I think my best, the best music I've made actually is an idea that I already have in my head. Sometimes it's maybe one element of the production, or maybe it's even, well, I just hear a finished track that I want to make. I know that sound, might sound wild, but uh, so I'll go in and um, see, okay, this is how the kick drum sounds. This is how the, the lead sounds. This is how it sounds. Okay, let's get to work and go for that. So um, I start with a kick drum always. For whatever reason, it's just what I'm gravitating towards. It's also kind of the melod the the anchor for where the other for me the anchor for the other elements will sit, um, and then I usually add the Interesting. drums. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Kick drum. Kick drum starting person. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just always like, well, which kind of kick drum is, does this track have? Uh, you know, I somehow feel that first, even if it's going to be a really melodic track, I already have a sense of okay, this is the this is the kind of, it wanted to be a dry kick or something really big and boomy, but start from that. And then, uh, and then I'll build the percussion. I naturally gravitate towards percussion somehow. Uh, most, it's the easiest for me to kind of find my way with as I'm building a track. So generally speaking, I'll, I'll build that next. Um, I'm a big fan of tom drums, <laughs> and so add those and uh, get kind of a groove going and build up the rhythmic qualities of the tracks are there and then and the hi-hats and everything. And then I'll work on the leaves and then I'll add the pads underneath that to support it. If I'm going to you know, build something, that's typically a workflow for me, for example, to make something. And like I said, a lot of times actually I'll, my, I feel like I'm able to create something really quickly when I have this idea already in mind and I already basically know what I want to get to and I just throw myself at it and go for it and what comes out happens it's not like I'm a perfectionist where I say like oh I have to have this perfect it's like okay I, I shoot myself out into the out into space and if I don't land on the moon I'm somewhere in the stars where I've got the idea at least has gotten out of my head and, and is, I'm listening to it playing so in the best case scenario of course the days when I come in and just mess around with a bunch of stuff and I think uh this this is this is not going as well as I hoped, and then start over and do something else. It's it's never just like a quick a quick path all the time. But uh, yeah, I hope that provides some insight on it. Yeah, it's funny you say you start with a kick because I I find myself arriving at more interesting stuff when I don't even think about drums uh, and start with sounds. You know. Yeah, yeah. Some of some of my some things I've made I when I really had a unique synth sound in mind i'll have to go and work hard on that to get the tonality of it at least like mm -hmm. i might go and build the synth so to speak or you know in the soft synth you know build up something that i like and get there and have okay this sounds good but then from that point i'm going to set that aside and start building for me the track uh, with the kick and the rhythm and things like that so i know where to place it rhythmically with what else is going on but uh yeah, I always gravitate towards making all the drums first. Are you uh, starting with the kick person too, uh, Jaco? Uh, no, definitely no. not. <laughs> um, She's like, no way. Um, 
yeah, I think then there's no, not so much space left anymore. I think, uh, yeah, I appreciate music, which is based on a kick drum. I mean, I like clubbing as well. And if, if somebody spent a lot of hours on designing a kick drum, I appreciate that. But um, I, uh, I'm just thinking about the last tracks I did. I tried to get, uh, yeah, uh, synthesizer music. I want to make synthesizer music, like a lot of layers and um, things you can explore, even if you listen to it, like already... Uh, 20, 25 times or something, uh, like if you buy music and just music of someone else, and you always find like another layer you really enjoy and you go deep and then you can imagine a kick drum. You also could play it as a dance track uh, or something, but uh, it is also really just uh, nice in its spectrum of frequencies as it is. And uh, it can be rhythmical, it can be, yeah, percussive or whatever, but it um, doesn't have to be, uh, like rhythmical with uh, drums, drum sounds. Mm -hmm. But I, I, there's nothing against it. I mean, uh, uh, percussive tracks are um, rhythmical percussive tracks. I also listen to that. I enjoy a lot of noise music, which is, um, yeah, sometimes just out of percussion, percussions maybe in the beginning and then through distortions, as we said before, and then with like uh, um, just, yeah. Well, I'm talking, just with the noise in the background. What the hell, I'm talking. No, no, I, I get it. No. And, and your, your, your music's very, uh, kind of has a lot of texture and layering to it that, that's Right now, together. I mean, uh, yeah, right, right, I, I also right have now. tracks which are just uh, drums, or just a drum machine, and mm -hmm. uh, from that uh, kind of uncreated, um, yeah, something what sounds more like just drums you know just dry drums mm -hmm. like maybe drum machine music but uh, played with the effects in internal and modulated so much that it doesn't sound like just a drum track mm -hmm. you see what i mean that's what it's yeah. like yeah i uh, wanted to ask john um do you have do you work with um sound with your own sound banks do you have something like a um how you say bibliotheque sound library <laughs> library yeah do you have um, your own sound library or how do you do that um i will oftentimes make something from soft synths where i'll just go in and start it from zero honestly like i i i have <laughs> funnily enough i sometimes will be making something and i'll just like i i like this i should save this and use it again and i'll save it and sometimes i'll use it and there's for that there's definitely equal if not more amount of times when i save it i'm like Oh, what was that again? Oh, it was this folder there, and I have no idea. Ah, I just make a new one. So, <laughs> so yeah. I, I sometimes I think I should I should really make a sound bike and, and have a library of these synths that I work hard so hard on because it takes me a lot of effort sometimes to create them, and then later I come back and I'm like, oh yeah, what was that? Or it's not sounding the same. I don't remember it sounding like that, and I'll just make a different one or try mm -hmm. something else. So I kind of I kind of do, and I try to use it sometimes, but. I find myself oftentimes, especially on the synth side of things, just going in and trying to trying to surprise myself with where I'm pulling the stuff from. Because with software, there's so many. It's, it's the, the problem is there's too much to choose from. Yeah, it's when limited. You get something. It's limited. Yeah. yeah. So 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 I kind of like. I also like that because, like I said, I mean, the drums for me come more naturally to just say, oh, I I, I think I want to make a rhythm like this. Okay, boom, boom, boom. I, I've got something working already there. 
but the sense some people, especially in the studio, who really are quite nerdy with their their synths uh, collection and knowledge, can really pull some fantastic stuff in a moment. Like I want this sound out of that, and I'm going to make it do this, and now I've got it. Um, so so yeah. it's it's more of a challenge to dig and find something and then make it sound the way I want every time. I have to say. So as you say, you work in the box, but do you have some? Uh, what are your input devices? Do you have a keyboard, or do you some controllers, or do you? Oh, I'll, have a, I'll have a keyboard. I'll have some really like basic MIDI keyboard where I'll I'll play play keys myself and then just nudge you know nudge things if I need to move something um, for some melodic elements like. And what about modulation of your synths? Do you do that on the screen or do you have a controller? Because I always find it very hard to not have anything to. No, I, I have. I'll have like some tiny little controllers that I'll just I'll just MIDI map to and and sure. you know mo modulate things and do oh, okay. kind of automation passes so there's you know filters and effects and things happening throughout the course. I'll just jam after I record something, do the basic arrangement take. I'll usually do one arrangement take, and I've learned that usually the first take is the best. I've done tried many times and done multiple takes and gone back, but I feel like the first one is the most. Human, I wish it was like that for me. <laughs> mistakes and all, but also the other thing is like I can go to Ableton. I mean, I don't know, Jocko, how you're. It's like, are you just recording what you do, and then that's the take, and that's it, and you don't go back? Is it just a waveform when you're done? Uh, right? I mean, no. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, uh, I record um, um, multi-track, or I just so lay out, yeah, yeah, sorry, lay out things, back. and then you, I you can go back and and change something once you've done a take. You've got the multi-track, and if you have a long jam, you could. Sync with that later with the pieces. Yeah, when I start recording, I'm not uh, I'm not jamming and then press record and then I have like a piece I just cut out and that's it. I'm not like that. I'm uh, jamming around and when I think like mm, I want to keep that, then yeah. I start recording and then uh, yeah. the idea is already somewhere. I, I have to just remind it and I have to record it then in the moment, so yeah. I can start with maybe the thing which is uh, the most difficult to remind. So I just uh, record and then yeah, yeah, yeah. I do the rest on top. I listen to that. So I basically then jam with myself in the recording, put like layer per layer. Oh, you over them stuff, yeah, okay. Exactly, and right. then it is a little bit easier to, I don't have to stay focused with all the parameters, I just, I have the yeah. idea and I can make then every part the best <laughs> as I right. can. yeah. Um, no, I, 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 I do it now like this, it wasn't always like this, but yeah, this is how I do it now. I do something kind of similar, but but, but different, I guess, um, where, yeah, I say, I don't think I just do the first take and it's perfect. No, 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 no. But the first take is the, is the best jumping off point, at least to, to build the, what I would call a final arrangement. Um, and then, or it's not worth it for me to do multiple takes when I can just chop different parts and move them around. Do you, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I think I'll you know, do a first take. I'll get the idea sketched out, and generally speaking, it's 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 in a good direction. And yeah. then I'll move stuff around sometimes. as I need. And then I'll pass. I'll do live passes. I'll, I'll record, kind of overdub it with filters yeah. or effects or things like that on each channel. I'll go through and record stuff across each channel. So each channel has its life to it and isn't just like the same thing all the way across. But yeah. some I do it too. If I before I have to go to work layers. or something. And I had a good idea. I also sketch, as you said, like I just record, keep the idea before I forget it. Yeah. And then I have to go to work. And when I come back, I have to fast uh, then do something uh, before it's gone. Um, yeah, yeah. So I see what you mean. Word. Do you and have if I have, a... Sorry, go on. Um, and if I have a lot of time, I uh, just record the layers and directly EQ this part before I start with the other one because I... So like this is really organized and clean and it makes just 
es würde, ähm, wie sagt man, ähm, äh, auf der ja. its place. Like, uh, Sorry? That everything has its place already. Genau, and like productive. It's just like the most productive way, like uh, recording a layer, making everything finished, and the next really like as you like it, and then the next, yeah. This yeah. is like a good feeling. If you then finish anything, like, mm -hmm, I'd like to continue this tomorrow, listen to it again, yeah, and then continue. That's such an important thing, you know, because um, uh, I speak to a lot of people who always uh, seem to get stuck somewhere. And, mm. uh, you know, I, I always say, you know, uh, you have to basically create your uh, ideal circumstances. If you know that you are uh, yeah. a good good performer uh, of, of sort of uh, layers in the track, you basically have to do that, you know, the way Jaco just explained. And if you're, um, if you're good at... Um, um, another way of getting things done quickly, then that should be your method, you know, but it doesn't make sense to uh, keep listening to something endlessly in a loop and then just wish <laughs> it would be better. <laughs> I, I, some magic, I never uh, can finish tracks. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so, you know, just move quickly is probably a very, very important yes. thing, getting something done, because when you listen to something, if you spend days on something, Uh, which only changes a few percent every every working day, then you get bored of it and, and you lose the energy and the, mo the excitement you had when when you first uh, laid down the first idea, you know? So um, I think that's probably even more important that, than what instruments you choose to do it with, you know? It's just, I would agree. Uh, yeah, it's the, the way, you know, if you can find a way to get shit done really quickly, get it out of the way, or at least get a lot of material recorded and commit yourself to it um, in, so before in, it gets lazy yeah, yeah. Fast, or, you know? or if you keep working it it starts to become something else than your original idea I think it's yeah. best to get the first of it exactly especially with uh, with software tracks uh, can yeah. in theory more from one version into the other and by yeah. by, by the first by the you know By the tenth incarnation, it's a completely different yeah. thing, you know. <laughs> it's, it's great to get the idea sketched and bam, get it out, and then you can always come back to it later with a clear head, and then say, okay, now I've maybe fixed some technical aspect of it that that uh, you know you didn't don't don't spend too much time getting too perfectionistic about the details. And for me, anyway, that's what works. Get yeah, the idea raw out, and then you come back later, and uh, you know you try to get it something as good as possible in the moment, of course. But don't sweat the small stuff. Get it out there. Come back you know days later or something and then you can with a clear head maybe look at it in terms of cleaning something up or adding some little touches that you wanted to but i always then call you're those, closer to done done yeah, is better than perfect done is i always than call those, those cleaning up jobs i i'm calling them admin jobs you know uh, <laughs> you know it's like okay you've got something and of course you know there are some uh, sonically uh, problematic things going on but who cares you know i'll do that's something you do with um like uh, nine in the morning with a coffee and then just, you know, analyze it technically and see what you can improve, uh, you know, in your mix down or, you know, whatever. Yeah, and it's kind of a different part of your brain almost. It, too, it is so. definitely a different, yeah, it's a different uh, uh, mindset and a different, that's why I call it admin. Same goes <laughs> for, um, um, you were asking before, or somebody asked before, if you have sound banks or something you work from. Oh, yeah, we have Mike was up. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Uh, I don't really, I do have sound banks, but I, I don't uh, uh, get them. them. <laughs> well, very rarely, but I, uh, it can sometimes be handy to, if you're looking for some kind of, I don't know, percussion sound or, you know, a snare drum or something. Um, 
um, you know, I have I, uh, those those things I made during an admin day, you know. So I I basically make sounds just just a sound making day, you know, just to connect a, a few bunches of few pieces of gear up and just uh, try to find uh, the range of of the possibilities in that patch, you know, and then just record uh, just drum sounds from it, and then um, I'm I'm just leaving them on, on my computer. I know where to find them, you know. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you can just uh, go back to that and, and, and use it in, in a situation where you are actually looking for something like it. But yeah. um, that can be handy, you know, but it's not something I do while uh, I'm creating music, you know, so it's a separate job. So when yeah. I'm creating music, I'm just getting the idea together very, very quickly. And that's why yeah. I, I like using with hardware, you know, just record hardware. And it's uh, basically take it or leave it, you know. If the, yeah. if it's it, I'll just keep recording until there's a moment where I think things sort of um, all fall into place. And when things click, you know, that's that's then the the sort of the recording that I go with. And I might do overdubs or I might do um, sort of post things in the box, you know, to kind of tidy it up. But um, as far as the actual idea, I I usually commit to that very quickly, you know, almost real time. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I have uh, some um, uh, sort of um, own presets, uh, but I think I just made them and I stored them just for the sake of learning. I I have like a few of kick uh, racks or like dub something where there's like a filter, a delay, another filter, an EQ, and (laughs) maybe another delay. You know, I just made them for like to, to reach one certain sound and it was like too much time I invested to just delete the project. So I just save it as a rack, but I never use it. I just <laughs> yeah, it's more just fun to start something new, you know. It's more fun usually. What about you, Mike? Do you um, have admin days? Mm, yeah, actually, uh, <laughs> hey, <laughs> admin. <laughs> so yeah, actually, because of the of the live stuff, and I I was like going into my projects. And I also use like the analog rhythm quite a lot for drums, but I always somehow process like these sounds coming out of the machine and. Du musst gerade bisschen näher kommen. Okay, sorry. So uh, <laughs> I, I always process uh, the stuff in the computer. I just load. No, my sounds like craft work now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, maybe my connection is not so good here. Now it's now it's back. You're back. You're back. You're back. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So um, I I load like these processed samples. You know they are cute and they sound right. I load I loaded them back into the drum machine and created like drum kits for yeah um, kits yeah. yeah yeah. So I uh, this is like stuff I have now set up in the in the rhythm for the live show. Are you, are you layering then with this uh, analog uh, uh, sounds or are you just using no, it then, as a sampler uh, then? Uh, in the end, use it as a sampler or, I mean, for the live stuff, I can use I, I use the noise and stuff like this. But I want to have like a kick drum, which I know sounds right from a production, for example. I, I use a kick drum sample for on, on the rhythm, for example. But I don't have other, I mean, I have now sound libraries or like all the parts from my, from my tracks. But when I previews like new music, I, I more or less start from scratch always. Uh, mm. 
Yeah, kits is a good idea though because yes, if you if you produce kits, <laughs> I'm um, not getting kits now. <laughs> <laughs> Drum kits or yeah, percussion kits. Yeah. Or, but I mean the the thing is when when the, the 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 thing I talked about like doing an admin day, make like a little setup and create drums from it. They're always they would always kind of fit together because they're made with the same patch and they have the same yeah. sort of basic qualities to the sound. So in fact, you're, um, you're designing a kit when you, when you do that, you know, so the yeah. stuff that are the, the stuff that you kind of cut out of these um, settings, you know, or yeah. these sort of recordings, they, they have a coherency to them already because they've yeah. been designed as, as a kit. That's yeah. quite a good way to, you know, to get um, a, nice sounding drum part going if you just use sounds yeah. from one kit yeah, yeah I, I definitely i was actually mike when you asked that i definitely uh you know will make some things in synths and then save some lose track of others but but in terms of kits for for percussion i definitely yeah. built some things that i always have ready to go so uh that's probably even one more reason why i'm faster at putting that type of aspect of the production together because yeah i have sounds that have already worked in place and even kind of have a basic EQ where I don't have to st stress that much about fitting them them in, but I know, okay, these are all different places I can start from percussion wise. Anyway. Uh, so what are, what are, what are the, the your go-to um, plugins then? Because if you, you, you basically do the same as, as I, as we do, but in the box, what, what is the, the stuff you use is the, like your, for example, your favorite kit building machine. Hmm. Well, it varies. Um, I mean, I'll use, I mean, sometimes I, I'll use, uh, on reverb, I'll use the, the, the black hole, uh, but, uh, for effects, but in terms of things that I build up stuff with, I mean, I like, I mean, or if you want to know about like compression or the kits themselves, no, I sound mean, source, sound, source sound sources themselves. Okay. Sorry. I thought you were thinking like the whole, the whole no, thing. No, no, no. Um, yeah, I mean, I will have, there's some sounds that are like some samples that, that I have too, that I will manipulate. Um, and they're, they're, you know, I'll just find sample sources from all over recordings of percussion. Uh, I love a lot of, um, like also organic percussion and wherever I can find samples like this, um, and then manipulate it or, or bring it up to be a little bit more powerful. Uh, I think. Okay. So, it. so it's, 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 um, found stuff rather than synthesized stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Found, right. found stuff. And, um, and you know, if there's some, uh, I'll, there, there's some, also some samples and I'll, I'll manipulate or, or edit things like that. I don't really do sampling from, you know, like any recorded music or something like that and try to flip that like in the old school hip hop way or something like that. But I'll, I'll have, if there's like some, some kicks or something like this, I'll layer two, two different kicks and then some other sound to make a texture or something like that. And then that becomes the kick drum, you know, the, mm. or, or, you know, if I can synthesize a sound that will be, you know, like a sine wave that could be a part of a kick, I'll do that. But I mean, there's really no one fixed way of, for me of doing it or, um, I don't know. No, you just you just sculpt you just sculpt until you find something uh, you stumble upon something you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a question, Johan. <laughs> um, what, what, do you have a modular system? I think you have a quite big modular system, right? 
it's not massive. I, I mean, there's people who have, uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, I've got about, I don't know the amount, but it's, um, like, uh, I don't know, um, but it's not small. It's, Huh? You know the AA average. <laughs> you know the AA one hundred box, the dupe for box. I've got about uh, three, yeah. I've got about three and a half of them. <laughs> so what's for what you use your modular synthesizer? As part of the the rest, you know, like uh, um, like for sequencing, sound manipulation, um, sound Which source. Which sequencer? Um, I've got um, I've got a few simple ones like the Renee's and the pressure points and uh, circadian rhythms. I've got a trigger riot. Uh, I've got a. Um, you got quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, this just it's just stuff too. It's it's mostly trigger based. I've got some um, older analog sequencers like part of the System 100, you know, with a stepless uh, 12 step, whatever. Um, thing and um uh, the one with the switches and as a yeah you can the, the you can big one it's part of the system 100 so it's the called the 101 i think i don't know it's uh it's the gray one it's two rows of 12 steps yeah um you, I, I don't know how it's called but i know what you want to yeah, yeah and and then uh, uh, you can you can trigger the, the for uh, you can have a trigger input to uh, decide when the steps progress or you can have it just clocked by something constant or um so it's actually quite versatile you know you can have it uh, have, you have, can have short loops long loops um uh, it doesn't do anything really complicated but it's um, it, you know it's one of as it's unquantized the, right it's unquantized yeah so it's mm -hmm. uh, microtonal yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly there's never really on it and it's 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 old so it's also a little bit unstable but um i like that you know I like yeah that. it is cool uh, yeah um but yeah i use the modular for anything really for sound source uh, sound sources we're manipulating stuff which is uh, uh i mean uh, like i have a an arp 2600 and a system 100 and they are they have the old school uh, cv manipulation capabilities like an lfo and um you know sample and hold and stuff like that but it the range of them is pretty limited you know so if you get something like maths or um you know some crazy complex or uh what's the other one the one i use quite a bit the control forge uh hmm? rossum rossum electronic what is it oh. yeah um it's it's basically a very swiss army knife cv controller thing you know you can get anything out of it and also mm -hmm. uh, never used it to different settings and stuff Anyway, it's way more complex than whatever these old machines have to offer. So it's it's interesting to sometimes make the combination because they are compatible with them. And um, uh, so I use a modular in that way as well, you know, like, uh, and I, I have certain uh, things uh, in sort of in sort of skiffs, you know, smaller skiffs like this big. Um, so I have like a, a few sequencer skiffs and a few effect skiffs and, and this, I can just take them around the studio to have uh, to build setups with because that's the way I work you know I build um, a setup for each session or each um, um, yeah yeah track. cool yeah, that's then, a cool thing about modular stuff now you can always yeah, so it's, configure it's, it's, it new 
Exactly. So I don't have to screw anything in and out. I just get my, if I need some extra sequencing capabilities on the, on the table behind me, I just take the, the skiff with the sequencers, you know, and just put it there. Nice. So it's a modular, modular system, a portable. <laughs> <laughs> Truly modular, modular. I don't have so much stuff, just like a few cases and some skiffs. <laughs> I just hate screwing stuff in and out, you know, it's just, uh, okay, this is a dedicated thing. It's got one function. Um, and, um, I just either leave it where it is or I take it. Yeah, if you think it runs proper through, you don't have to screw so much. Yeah, and also, you know, bigger systems tend to become walls of stuff and uh, therefore become, like, totally immobile and um, um, stuff that you want to connect might might end up far apart and make make it messy with cables and shit. So um, keeping it in smaller um, sizes... Um, with each each um, um, unit basically has a function, you know, it, it kind of makes it more manageable also in terms of um, uh, cable management and um, um, functionality. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, sequences are interesting for me. I'm, I'm thinking, I mean, I love the Octatrack, but I'm, uh, I'm thinking about to get another sequencer just to have... Uh, a little bit more and there are like some newer ones and some like classical five, ones five on the vector is amazing you know if you mm -hmm. see that it is yeah it's no it's not that big yeah it's about but as a, as a like a main as a main sequencer or just like a small sequencer to do like small sequences because like um, the octatrick is like something you can run everything on it yeah or um, like the circlon for example Yeah, I don't need like a big studio thing like that, I guess, because I don't have so much gear to run. I don't have like big um, analog uh, vintage synthesizers, uh, which have to be controlled from the center of the studio or something. I just have everything mm. in front of me. So um, I think I want to well, have like so a many, little bit. There are so many approaches to sequencing, you know, you can get stuff which uh, basically uh, does... Uh, all kinds of random or probabilist, probabilist, probabilistic stuff, or you can have like the simple old school, um, you know, rows of buttons or knobs. Um, yeah, so it depends on, depend, depends on what your approach is. Do you want to sequence yeah. it to give you... I think you I want to get my sequences more complex and I'm already on the limit of the um, Octatrack, which is basically already pretty complex. If you use all the trick conditions, all the LFOs, but I, need, I want more. And that's why I want to mix sometimes um, sequences and just get make longer, interesting sequences. Just, I think yeah. that's what I want. Um, yeah. There are a few new ones. There is, uh, I think a lot of people are using this Hermod thing, this Quarp, to play uh, melodies in and just store them. And there is something like the um, um, Bloom of Qubit, which is more like, they call it fractal uh, sequencer. Um, and it's basically just algorithmic based. And I think something like that could be a little bit interesting just to have some like tiny little, you don't really have to think you can quantize it afterwards. Mm. And uh, it just gives a little bit of extra what you can mix in depending on your patch or something. I, I'm, but I'm not sure There's yet. So much choice out there. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but if you, if you, if you want something that is um, uh, a combination of um, like planned sequences, like really sort of uh, entering notes manually And uh, and functions that kind of mess that up and do all kinds of weird shit, then the 512 is probably a good one. And uh, uh, you can have yeah, Circlon is a good one, but it's uh, it's big and expensive. It's not really efficient in terms of size. In I guess in your situation, yeah. Eloquencer is good too. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so many. But, uh, yeah, but so I mean, yeah, options. they are. Yes. 
maybe the people in the comments can give you a give, <laughs> give you a hint. <laughs> Who can give me a hint? <laughs> or oh, sequencer? Who can give me a sequencer? <laughs> Euclidean sequencers are sweet. Sure, definitely. Ah, yeah, Usta can be uh, pretty romantic, I think. Yeah. What's that? It's like the thing of rep tools, which has like four uh, four sequences in one. Um, and you can go in within the sequence, like backwards, forwards, and make it shorter and stuff. Um, it's just a pretty chic way of uh, sequencing, like arpeggiator vibes. So harmonicon, yeah. Yeah. Melodizer, yeah. Stimmt. And then there is this... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the smaller melodizer of uh, Frequency Central. Um, they also have like a really small version. That's a good idea. Should try that out. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> Shakman is really good for uh, um, rhythmical things, uh, especially uh, polyrhythmic things. Hmm. Oh, this one I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Lots of stuff coming from uh, the chat. It's on yeah. fire. <laughs> <laughs> sequencers galore what about you mike sequencers because um you run I mean, you run several things on their own clocks right like uh you sequence yeah i mean i sequence my drums in the in the drum machine usually and i have ableton as master clock and also as main sequencer so everything goes normally into ableton so I have also a Cyclone hooked up here, which goes into Ableton and from here to everywhere. And then I have this GRP, you can see it here in the back. It has yeah. like three rows, but it's more like a, you know, you, like a Grandpa simple, <laughs> yeah, it's like a, it's a, like a really simple sequencer and then Old the school. rest. But they do quality stuff. I'm really into yeah, their yeah. vocoder. They have this uh, GRP vocoder. That sounds yeah. so good. But Never yeah. tried the vocoder, yeah. But I just saw it on the Super Booth or something. You see there's the hole. There usually is the GRPA2 inside, which is the monosynth. And sometimes right. simple is all you need, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, especially, I mean, with the rep repetitive techno music. I mean, but I, I, I mean, I also sometimes just play the stuff on the keyboard. You know, when I play pads, I usually play the pads on the keyboards and do not write them in a sequencer. Did you actually um, learn a classical instrument? All no. of you? Clarinet and saxophone. Oh, yeah, you said that. And you? And yeah. I played bass guitar for a little while. <laughs> no, me neither. I just, uh, uh, yeah, a few years ago, I thought, like, fuck, I have to learn that. Everybody's able to speak about, like, notes, scales, and stuff. And then I started to learn uh, to take lessons. Uh, but, yeah, after a while, I just stopped, and I thought I can do it myself, like, Reading the manual teaches you how to make electronic music. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, would, I think it's I mean, not. Well, I would love to, but it's um, uh, something I just don't have. The Improvising time. would be nice, like with the keys. Hmm. Yeah, I uh, I did some piano lessons with uh, Hussein from Castle Grain, and actually mm -hmm. we had to stop uh, because of the COVID. But I'm I. 
at least I, I mean, I started also before to to read like about like the basic the basics of how music it music is, is working. Yeah, like how to build a chord, what what are the <laughs> notes, and like really <laughs> the basic things. And then from there, uh, you can just go on, you know. And there are some nice books. There's so many stuff also in the internet and tutorials and you can learn the basics quite easily, you know, and if you want to get deeper, I mean, I wanted to do this piano lessons and still uh, want to do it, but, but uh, at the moment it's a bit difficult. Apps maybe, maybe there are some great music theory apps. I think I downloaded once one where there were just little games and you have to copy Uh, whatever is the topic, and then yeah. like this you learn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we're nearing the two hours, uh, people. Um, I, uh, yeah, I want to give the people in the comments a last chance to uh, order people. <laughs> Music theory. Oh, that late already. <laughs> <laughs> What key is this in again? <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe we should um, um, thank you for uh, for being here, people. Really nice. Um, uh, John, Yako, Yako, and Mike Rothead, um, I want to give you. Uh, thank you all, and thank you all. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anything you want to plug? Maybe Mike is working on his live set. So, any dates planned yet for that? Or um, we do a show next week. Um, I, it's not officially yet, so I cannot announce the the um, venue. But here in Berlin, and yeah, we have the release of the album coming uh, 20th of October. Yeah, people should definitely take uh, keep an eye for, out for that because uh, I've, I've had it and uh, you send it to me. It's a, it's, it's a really cool, really nice album. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. With uh, Vril. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I mean, next, the next uh, release with uh, Colleen is also mastered already. Nice. So it's mm -hmm. uh, the number six, and the, the the next one is also mastered already. So I was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I used the time. It sounds like it. Yeah, yeah. If if this thing that I told you before is uh, is yeah. happening in Berlin, I'll uh, I'll stop by and yeah, we can do yeah, something. Yeah, sure. We've been planning that for ages, but it, um, <laughs> these times make it more difficult to travel, I guess. But. Uh, yeah. It's always yeah. a good excuse. Yeah. yeah, I would love to meet you, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What about you, Jaco? You've got anything coming up? You want to? Yes, I also produce. Uh, I mean, um, it's also not official anything of it yet, but it's also mastered already. Um, so stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> Now I got like a few compilation tracks on cool labels and working on a um, solo EP, and yeah stopped uh, now taking uh, live shows because I still got requests, um, like also seated concert things. Mm -hmm. But I just, uh, I had to somehow um, say no. I have, I'm learning right now to say no. Um, <laughs> because, uh, yeah, since my studio setup is my live setup and I use everything um, to the limits, I cannot uh, do both, make music and perform. So I focus now on making music 
and um, maybe DJ a little bit. Uh, and yeah, when this is done, I can prepare a new live set and I'm back. Makes sense. Mm. Sounds great. <laughs> nice. And John? Uh, well, Shout out plugs. Well, I have uh, part one of my debut album. It's coming out on Friday. Mm -hmm. uh, so coming right up uh, on records. It's called uh, Converge Part One. So yeah, out this Friday the 25th on records. Um, awesome. There's a forthcoming uh, remix that I can't announce just yet. Um, there'll be more news perhaps for me um, for music coming out later this year. Uh, then I've got a podcast for Odd Even that will be out in October and one for uh, Radio Drama for, from Vince Watson in November. And I just put up a new mix on my own SoundCloud page. If you want to hear some uh, mix session for me, you can go check that out. So, yeah, <laughs> that's what I got going on. Everybody check it out. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I, I think I want to plug the thing that I'm uh, going to do in um, in the weekend of the 23rd and 24th of October. The 23rd, I'll be playing with uh, our good friend Surgeon as multiples in um, in the south of Holland. Um, as uh, uh, it's a seated show, it's an electronic improvisation show. We'll see where it ends up. It's going to be a surprise for us as well, but um, it should be fun. And then the next day, mm -hmm. uh, we are doing this uh, two shows in Paradiso as part of the official ADE program um, store live um, show, uh, which were unfortunately for people who want to go there, it's already sold out. Um, it's again seated, and there are, there's going to be two shows, one in the afternoon with... Um, I'll be jamming there with uh, our sweet uh, Lady Starlight and Surgeon. And <laughs> the second show is going to be with uh, Colin Benders and Steve Rahman. So, again, mm -hmm. fully advertised uh, live jam. So, we'll see what happens. Really looking forward to that. So, how you organize uh, uh, your keys? Like, how, if you are you just listening and then choosing the notes, or are you like talking? Are you in A minor? Or? No, the thing is, yeah, we. We've talked about this before, but if you uh, we use headphones to listen to um, so if, yeah. Yeah, listen. So if if uh, if you have a sequencer going on, uh, you know, just spitting out notes, you can adjust them on the fly on headphones to kind of get in the area where this stuff is where it's already playing. In the studio, that's actually quite doable, and um, because the there is no. Uh, bad acoustics going on and, and uh, crazy volumes. But if you do that uh, live in a room, I've noticed uh, you can sometimes misjudge the pitch of something or um, yeah, the, just a general vibe, you know, of something. But um, it's just a question of just bring it in slowly and, and just go with it and just adjust yeah. it on the fly until it sits well, you know. Uh, I think that's yeah, the fear of uh, playing uh, improvised and with other people that, yeah, uh, yeah. You prepare yeah, an I mean, idea and then it's like, oh, yeah, I can't do true, something else. Right. True, but I mean, it's as much um, a question of a matter of doing uh, or le leaving things than uh, as much as it is doing things. So if, if something is, if the what the people are hearing or the audience is hearing is fine, there's no need to add something, you know, so you can just... Um, even if you're preparing something on your on your headphones to go along with it, if, if the... Yeah, it, if the music or the flow or the, the the moment doesn't really require you adding it to it, then you just don't do it, you know. Yeah. 
wait for another moment to make something else. And, um, so anyway, but with uh, with drums, it's usually going straight in because that's quite kind of predictable how that's going to sound. But with melodies, of course, yeah, it's uh, it requires a pre-listening thing. I don't mm-hmm. think Tony does that though. I think he just throws it in and just goes with it. <laughs> so, so probably fly. So that's that's another way of doing it too. But um, or just using uh, one note, <laughs> each <yeah>. one note. <laughs> yeah, it's just whatever sounds good. You know, that's the fun of the of the improvisation way of doing it. The, so, um, so yeah, hope to see you there. And I want to. I encourage everybody to have a look at our Discord server. The link should be in the uh, description of the video. Oh, there we go. It's in the, in the comments now too. Um, it's our nice growing community with uh, music makers and uh, it's becoming a really fun hangout. Uh, everybody's invited and you too, of course, uh, Mike and John and Jaco. Um, and the other thing is we have a Patreon. If you're interested in um, uh, seeing things more behind the scenes or getting sound packs and stuff like that, it's something we do as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, hopefully see you next time. So thanks again, guys, people, lovely people. Thank you. Thanks for watching. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, it's great hanging out. Good to hang out. See you later. Tschüssi. Ciao. 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 ciao.